Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. If you have championship DNA, then you know it's time to chase wins. We're uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. Hello and welcome back to the Chasing Wins podcast. I'm your host, Andre, here with my guy, Jim. Uh, Make sure you download the Odyssey app and turn on notifications so you can get episodes right when they drop. And don't forget to uh, subscribe to the the podcast overall, um, wherever you listen to them. Um, And we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, So, Jim, somewhat eventful couple weeks sort of I mean it comes down to you know uh what TJD and and pods how they performed and kind of we can speak on that a bit because I know pods had a disappointing uh summer league in some people's eyes uh the way I saw it I thought he played quite well overall uh obviously you want to see him shoot the ball better and you want to see him like be more comfortable scoring the basketball but I think every other facet of the game when it comes to rebounding, playmaking, uh, and even, you know, shooting the ball overall. Like, he didn't shoot the ball that well, but he was getting to certain spots. It just came down to makes and misses. And I thought defensively he was also pretty sound in his positioning and and just overall discipline. So, um, But there's been a lot of noise about how he played, uh, taking Cam Whitmore, you know, if that was a mistake that we didn't take him. Um and then obviously TJD played a couple games, and in those uh, few games that he did play, he showed out. He he was incredible defensively. Um, obviously, he had the hamstring tightness that kind of kept him out for a little bit, and he was still you know coming back from that situation. But TJD, I mean, as a play finisher, as a defender, as a guy that can you know make passes at the five, make legitimate high level advanced reads at the five position, he had some really great passes and assists where he was creating for others. Um, And just his court vision is super good. He's six, nine, obviously the, the frame is there. He's 23 years old. So just kind of like in a nutshell um, between the two players, kind of what you thought and what your thoughts are on them in summer league, and then how you project them to contribute this season and beyond. Mm. So it's interesting how, the 57th pick is more appealing in the immediate term than the 19th pick. But I think that's kind of the situation for the Warriors uh, in the upcoming season. I think Pods is not really going to play. He's not, he's not, he's probably going to be in the G League a lot, probably. Uh, and he needs to develop, right? Uh, whereas uh, 
Davis is he's a four-year college player. He's polished and he's kind of ready to go uh, off right out of the gates. And he kind of fills that role that the Warriors have desperately needed at the power forward center position. Uh, they got Dario Saric, right? Uh, so right. maybe they will compete to some extent, but depending on what happens in this uh, in, in the offseason, because they still need to make a move. Uh, we don't know if they're going to make a move or if they're just going to I think what it seems like they're just waiting on the the buyout market to be more uh, prosperous in a way, like uh, because they have they according to Slater they left the 14 spot open with purpose uh, to wait for a buyout candidate to be available, and should someone that's worth their uh, attention be available, then I think they'll they'll take a good look at you know adding a player, but they're gonna leave that spot open for now. Until you know certain players get bought out. When you say buyout, are you talking about like later in the season, or does that happen in the off season? I would assume uh, within the next month or so. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. in the off season. Yeah, yeah. Probably around early August. I would mm-hmm. I would expect someone to be signed because early to mid August, because um, that's generally when like players start to kind of fizzle out, and then it's like teams decide like, okay, these are the players we're going to buy out we're going to finalize certain situations like um i know rudy gay is waiting on a buyout i think he got traded to atlanta i think it was i'm not saying i want him but that's obviously like an example of a player that uh who may be available or whatever but kind of that's thing and within the next few weeks i'd expect also andre guadala uh i'm not saying i want him back necessarily in a, as a player as taking a roster spot but he also hasn't made a definite decision from a retirement standpoint i don't think so that's going to be interesting to see within the next month as well but yeah that's kind of the status of that it's interesting uh, andre uh i wouldn't mind if he came back because i think they could have really actually used him in the playoffs had he been healthy and mm-hmm. i mean he did come back and he did start playing but then what did he hurt his finger or something yeah uh iguodala kind of fra- he fractured one of uh his wrist yeah, so that's unfortunate. That that's more of a injury issue than an incapability issue. Yeah. And when he did come back in the regular season and he played some minutes, it, it was very impactful. So put him alongside some of the more uh, some of the more impactful pieces that they've picked up in the off season. I think he he could still be useful despite. I think he's going to turn forty, which is that's pretty insane. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But unlike a guy like Haslam. Iguodala is still usable. Uh, not only is he usable, he's a he's just a cl- connective guy all around, whether he's on the floor or he's you know on the bench, right? Even just helping a guy like Wiggins the way he did uh, in the last finals. So, right. so yeah, I um, I wouldn't mind if Iguodala can't. If if the situation was like last year, where they had a bunch of dead roster spots, then I would think twice about whether it's a good idea to have a guy like Andre. Iguodala on the roster, right? Just because you need usable, more usable pieces, definitively, right? Yeah, like dependable, reliable, that kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so Iguodala, I, I wouldn't like mind. Last year we did, and and you made the, you made the good point of we don't we had a lot of unreliable spots that were used up, and yeah. da, I think Dario is so, I'm so happy we it, like because I know we were waiting on that for like a week. 
uh, I'm just happy it got done because like that that was such a big signing from a versatility standpoint. And Jermichael just didn't cut it last year, so he like on a night to night basis, you couldn't really depend on him, you know, being a uh, a rotation piece. Yeah, he's just You're defensively just, weak, man. Yeah, no, he yeah. and he couldn't and he struggled to to like screen. He was just very limited for what we for what we demanded in in that at that spot. What Otto could provide reliably, uh, Jamichael was just not as um, capable. So, yeah, yeah. somebody who's been in the league for a long time, he was shockingly unreliable defensively, um, especially because he's more of a he's always been a power forward, and he just couldn't make that translation over to being a center. Uh You know, this is. Because Jermichael Green, he's a tweener power forward to begin with. I right. think in the earlier days, he would have been considered more of a like a you know small forward slash power forward. So it's hard for guys like that to move make the move over to center. It's such a gigantic difference. Power forward, you're just kind of holding it down ish in the paint area. You get the rebounds, right? You're helping the center, right? But you know, center is like, you're the anchor. You're the one controlling the defense. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, so yeah, you know, Jermichael just, he just, man, I wanted him gone within like the two or three games that I saw of him playing in the regular season. So I, yeah. I see it, man, defensively, 100%. you know, if you can't do certain things in the regular season defensively, you better believe that it's not going to translate in the playoffs either. You know, that that's the biggest yeah. thing. Um, as far as like TJD and, and pods go, I think with TJD, uh, I actually think he is a guy that he can get minutes day one. Like you can throw him out there. If you watch him, he was so sound defensively in summer league. And I know summer league isn't like the barometer of like, you know, how ready you are at the NBA level, but there were things that I could that I saw that I was like, oh, that's gonna translate. Like his ability to play two in the pick and roll, the cat and mouse game, where he's like, you know, able to inch up on a guard and then recover to the big to allow the guard, the defensive guard, to recover. You know what I'm saying? And, and kind of guard the pick and roll, guard two v one, kind of like the way Draymond and Anthony Davis do so well, and Jaron Jackson. Like, and I'm not saying he's at that level, but he did similar things. And defensively, his ability to just recover. Um, and block shots, weak side, his timing, his his feel for for uh, defense, his ability to rebound on the second jump. He had eight offensive rebounds in the second game. Like his ability Crazy. to just crash the glass. He has a nose for the ball, play finisher. He had, I think he had 18 points in the second game, just diving to the rim, uh, just a vertical threat. Uh, I made the comparison, like I made it in the past, that he reminds me a lot of Anyeka Kongwu in terms of like his frame his uh just ability to just move now obviously they have different skill sets like a like probably a better rebounder uh he's a little bit of a different player in certain ways and i think tjd's a better playmaker for sure but like from a size standpoint at 69 610 and the ability to, to be a vertical threat they're very similar in that sense and they have both they both have very good second jumps so I think and they and they're both defensive minded as well. Like I think there's a lot of parallels there and I think I watch him and I watch him play. He's 23 years old. I think coming into the NBA he can be a, a day one type of player. Now with Pods, I think 
this isn't the year for him, but I do think next season will be. I think he has shown some skill sets and some some ability that can translate at the NBA level. His playmaking is one of the best I've seen in summer league. Uh, just ability to just make plays, his court vision, um, that like gets his spots, his patience. I just think it's a it's very advanced um, comparatively to when you look at his peers and when you look at even other NBA players. So I think there's a real um, there's a, there's real potential there. I just think it's not going to come next season, just because the the guard spot is log jammed with CP, with Steph, Clay, Moody, all them. So I think right right right, right now what it comes down to is Pods is probably going to get a lot of G League run and 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 TG, uh, TJD for to that extent as well. I think we I would expect TJD to get more consistent regular season run than Pods will. But I think both players, I could, for, I would forecast them being very good players for the Warriors down the line if they aren't traded. Uh, whether you know if that's there's a deal available in the future down the road, we'll see. But like, they project to be good NBA players based on what I saw. Um, so yeah, I mean, any thoughts on that overall? Um, so Pods, I, I don't know. I don't want to judge him based on summer league. Um, I want to see. I want to see what he does in the preseason and um, some other things before I come to any kind of conclusion right. about what he's capable of, what his potential is. Um, but you know, summer league, it, it's tough. Like, are they running the same thing that Steve Kerr runs in the regular season? Very like, similar. Very similar stuff. Like, it's, I mean, it's. They were running, and by the way, Pods mentioned like in Santa Clara, which is where he went to to college. They were running very similar stuff to what the basically a similar patterns and and the play calls that the Warriors do. Like it's an extension of it. So yeah, Pods they they basically ran like the weave stuff, uh, a lot of like uh, horns and and uh, floppy, just like the basics. And then on top of that, like I didn't see like split actions or anything. But like they were, and they ran some pick and roll. They ran yeah. some some ball screen stuff. But I mean, they had to have run pick and rolls if Paz is creating a bunch of offense, right? If yeah. he's the one creating the offense, I'm going to. How is that happening? It was with the ball in his hands, right? So I, I assume that they were running a little more pick and roll, 100%. so that he can create. Um, but again, I didn't want. I didn't necessarily want him to be in that role. I wanted to see him be more of a scorer because I feel like. In terms of his fit with the Warriors, I mean, they need that a lot more. So defense and shooting and the ability to uh, finish around the paint area, stuff like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that the Warriors really need because they already have how many playmakers? They have Steph Curry. They have Chris Paul. They have Draymond. Other guys need the ball in their hands. Like how many more creators do you need on one team, right? Yeah. So, so that's why I didn't love like him – the notion that he was going to create rather than uh, be the guy who catches and scores the ball in some way. Right. That's kind of, you know, he scored 20 points per game in college. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of more of what I wanted to see from him. And because I didn't see that, because I saw the poor shooting, like really poor shooting uh, and just, he just was more of a playmaker that just made me a little less interested because it's not necessarily what the Warriors need, his skill sets that he showed in the summer league. So, right. well, either way, I'm not paying that much attention to him. I understand the Warriors have him. And I kind of look at him right now, for now, 
more as an as an asset to possibly trade if necessary. Right? That's kind of how I look at it because he's not going to be usable next year. Like not at all. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Come playoffs, he's he's not in rotation, right? Uh, whereas Absolutely. Davis, Davis, I see more of as almost like a free agent, like a polished young yeah. player who is a free agent and they signed him. That's how I feel about him because, because he's a four-year player. That that means like if he took the normal route of like getting out after his first year, right? I mean, he yeah. had like four, uh, three more years experience and now he's going into his like fourth year essentially if he were an NBA player. That's kind of how I feel about him. Uh, and defensively, like you said, I mean, the guy averaged three blocks per game in college. That's insane. So, um, you know, if, if you're averaging three blocks, you're you're definitely a capable defender. I'm not going to be too excited about him just because I remember feeling pretty good about a guy like Jordan Bell when they got him. Mm. I think they got him from the Bulls for a cash or something. So they got yeah. him for free, essentially. And I, I was checking out his background, uh, you know, in college, and he was like defensive player of the year or something, right? So I was actually, I was like excited about him. Yeah. And and he did play a role. But at the end of the day, he ended up being like kind of fringish, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the only thing. I, I'm, I'm going to try to just reserve my expectations because he at the end of the day davis is still a rookie coming in uh he has no nba experience that's a fact so uh but i I do feel like he's just polished and he has good hands like you like you said he he has a knack for the ball 11 rebounds in college which is like three rebounds better than what okongwu did in college so uh just polished all around man it's just a complete game uh Almost complete game. The one thing that's missing is his uh, jump shot. We haven't seen that at all, right? But until right. he he's got some versatility about him, where he can be usable in the offense in a variety of ways. Whether it's a Looney role as a screener, whether it's a uh, Draymond uh, role as a as a direct creator in the post, you know, off the, whether it's off the split action, whatever, or he can be a pick and roll partner to Chris Paul, right? So he's a great finisher around the rim, right? So there's a lot of roles that he can potentially fill for the Warriors. It's just a matter of how they're going to, uh, whether he, they're going to use him at power forward or center because they have Sarge. And I, I just don't know how who's going to play the uh, power forward and who's going to play center at this point. Right now, the depth chart is Draymond Looney, Davis and Sarge. I think that's, yeah. I think that's uh, so far. And, you know, maybe they'll sign another guy, but right. until then, that's what it is. And I, I kind of feel comfortable with that. I, I, I still, obviously, I, if they can get TJ Warren, I still want TJ Warren. If they can get him uh, for the vets minimum, like, come on. But, He's a yeah. solid piece. He'd be a solid piece for sure. Yeah. But I do feel that Davis will be ready to play regular season minutes. We'll see how it goes, though. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we can move on to the Draymond uh, drama, I guess, that's taken place the last 12 hours, basically, with uh, the Jordan Poole stuff. Um, he, I guess he went on Pat Bev's podcast and kind of spoke on that, um, his, his side of things, even though it's been, what, nine, eight, nine months removed from it, uh, kind of revisiting those those open, uh, those closed wounds. I think that they should be by now because Jordan doesn't really entertain those questions when he's asked about it. Um, so there's that, and then he responded to Jordan Poole's father on Twitter today. Uh, Anthony Poole kind of responding and talking about, um, you know, just just his thoughts on what Anthony Poole said last night. Uh, who commented under? I think it was Warriors Worlds, uh, or not? Not it wasn't Warriors World. It was like a different. It was like a different tweet. And then he also mentioned on the Pat Bev pod something about how with CP uh, that they're uh, that he didn't like them, but they're gonna have to talk um, amongst men and kind of um, you know hash things out. It sounds like and what I don't know how serious he is about that. Uh, and then he got sacked by um MB- the NBA Santel who basically created a fake tweet about that Kevin Garnett said about Draymond about the punch and he took the bait and he responded to KG who didn't really say anything like it didn't happen it was made up and then he deleted the tweet so he's had a busy morning a busy 12 hours uh what are your thoughts on not just like what's happened but more so Draymond's leadership and kind of what you expect to see, any concerns you may have regarding uh, that kind of situation throughout, you know, the season. Wow. So much noise uh, yeah. from Draymond. So it's, it's most of it in his control as well. It's not, it's not like it's out of his control, you know? Yeah. But he's he's talkative, number one. That's why he has a podcast. He has a right. lot of thoughts that he wants to share. And, you know, he went on Patrick Beverly's podcast as a guest. And so right. the fact that this was discussed is between those two guys, especially, who are super candid and they like to be open, kind of, uh, for the most part, and share whatever they can share. It's not surprising that the conversation, uh, the topic obviously came up because I could see Patrick Beverly asking questions about it because he'd probably be curious and he wants to, you know, get whatever he can out of it. And obviously he got what he wanted because this thing's kind of viral now uh, about what Draymond said once again about Jordan Poole. And I don't mind the discussion, honestly. You know, that's what a podcast is. You're there to have a discussion about whatever. And this is obviously... Maybe this summer will be the end of it, but Draymond never really addressed the reasons for why it happened. We we only guess why it happened. So right. I think that's okay to provide some clarity. 
Uh, I obviously people are tired of it and people are, you know, they're just like, why are you still talking about it? Why do you act like, why do you justify it? Why do you, you know, they say all these things, but whatever. Like if you don't, if you don't like it, that's, that's tough. What are you going to do? They had the conversation. So, so I don't mind it that much from that standpoint in terms of the logic about he seems to be insinuating that words that shouldn't be said to another man was said or something right. along those lines. I think he yeah. said something like that to his father as well. Yeah, he did. He he basically responded to uh, his his father. Yeah, I could, pull up, I could pull up the tweet if you want just yeah, to read it. He, yeah, if you can. Read so he that. said. So, um, he said regarding. His father, he said, that's so... So, okay, let me read what Anthony Poole said first. He said, I'm stand on this, that's some BS. JP was his guy, and he avoided me all last year. He is a soft bitch, and I'm standing on this, and he didn't apologize to me and my wife. He's So he lame, and me and him can meet anytime he wants. And he was responding basically to a clip of Pat Bev's... uh uh episode that's going to come out today um and then draymond responded saying that's so cute it's impossible to avoid you in an arena for a year champ i go get my family from that family room every game and stop using the those words they usually don't go over well amongst men so that's kind go. of a list of what what they had the back and forth there yeah so I mean, it's it's just funny to me, man. Like, Draymond, he's just... I don't understand. He's just such a either a hypocrite yeah. or he's changed or and doesn't use that word anymore because he learned from his big brother, LeBron, who <laughs> had such a problem with Draymond calling him a bitch during the finals. And that was a whole thing, right? Yeah. The whole... It was, it was such a triggering thing. But I never thought that Draymond ever actually stopped calling people a bitch whenever he felt like it. Right. So I don't mm -hmm. know if that ever stopped or not. I highly doubt that that's well, stopped. he called KD that in uh, 20, right. 2019. So, yeah. So, to do that, how hypocritical of him to be talking about don't use that word amongst men because men, it doesn't go over well with men. Well, you right. do it all the time. Right. So, and he probably, when he does it, he feels like it's the truth. So, if somebody else thinks he's being a bitch in some way from their perspective, who is he to, who is he to say like, Oh, men don't say this to each other. Like you, you, you're like the face of the guy so, who does so that. Draymond, I have a clip here. Do you want me to, I don't know if I can play it, but I'll play it. And then, um, cause I think this is good. We can react to it. So this is from the, uh, the Pat Bev podcast. And he basically talks about playing with CP three. So, I mean, and we can play it and then you can react to it if you want. Mm -hmm. to, to just go front and act like all of those things was fake. Like, I publicly said I didn't like Chris before. Like, I'm just not going to be like, oh, man, that changed. Now he's my teammate. No, I look forward to talking amongst men. I look forward to working with another adult. You know, I've, we've had a, I've had my fair share of days of, like, not working with adults right. and people who don't, don't move like adults. Right. So I'm looking forward so again that clip was from the pat bev podcast uh that's credit to them uh to pat bev and 
his uh, his team getting Draymond on the podcast, and and that's the that's where the clip was from. But Draymond kind of emphasizing this idea of working with an adult, like he said that like three times. Mm-hmm. The the adult being CP. Uh, he said obviously like kind of the quote that circulated that like oh like we're gonna have to. You know, I didn't like him. I've said I didn't like him in the past. We're going to have to hash things out, talk amongst men, whatever. Didn't really sound too harsh. And that's what I kind of figured. Like, when he said it in real time, when when I heard that, I was like, oh, like, um, he's just saying, like, you know, they're going to they're gonna figure things out, whatever. But it wasn't anything that seemed like to, to be boiling. And then basically it sounded like he was more excited to work next to CP because he mentioned, like, I've, ha- I've not worked next to adults in the past. And he knows what that's like, so he's looking forward to that. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of on that dynamic going into the season? Mm, well, I guess we can kind of touch on CP as well, since he's in the topic of right. discussion. Um, so, I think Draymond. First of all, he's having a conversation with Patrick Beverly, who certifiably hates Chris Paul. He does. Um, so yeah. I don't know if he, he factored that into consideration uh, when he was, you know, he's trying to say somewhat like, "Oh, I'm not going to back away or back out on my word about Chris Paul from years ago about what I said about him." Right. Um, but essentially, he's just saying. You know, they're professionals and, you know, they're, they're veterans and they know how to play and they'll figure it out. That's kind of that's kind of what right. I got from it. Yep. And I don't really feel any hostility about that. I think they can. They can. These are the kinds of players that can hash out stuff, you know, pretty easily and quickly because they want to win and they want to play right. Right. But obviously there's a dynamic that there's a weird and interesting dynamic when it comes to Draymond and Chris Paul uh, specifically because they're both playmakers and Draymond has been the primary playmaker of the Warriors for a long time. And even more so than Steph Curry, crazy enough to say, but now Chris Paul is there and he's like the most efficient ball handler. One of the most of all time. Right. Right. He's even better than uh, Curry at that. So, they're going to have to divvy that work up. In my opinion, they need to just give most of it to Chris Paul and have give Draymond a, a very different role where he has to make a bigger adjustment. Uh, right. That's the only way, in my opinion, that you can maximize the presence of a guy like Chris Paul. Because that's where his value is, creating offense with the ball in his hands. Whereas Draymond's biggest value comes on the defensive end as... Mm-hmm. good as he can be on the offensive end from a playmaking standpoint. He can also be a good second, a secondary playmaker, but obviously his biggest, the biggest key to him is defense. So you got to be able to mix and match those things and yep. uh, properly divvy up who's going to do what. So, so yeah, I, 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 the only thing about Chris Paul now that I'm a little bit curious about is the notion that there was this conversation that Windhurst had about, why he's on the Warriors. And it's not because, ooh, because the Warriors were like, oh, Chris Paul is available. He could fit wonderfully with the Warriors. This will, this will be amazing. Like, it wasn't necessarily like that. It was more about a salary dump, having financial flexibility, being able to move off of Chris Paul's contract, 
maybe trying him for one year. Maybe if things don't go well in the first half, then they can move him before the right. season's even over. So it's kind of like a D-Lo acquisition in a way. Right? That's exactly what they did. They got him. They moved him halfway through for Wiggins, right? So, but that's because they saw that very quickly that D-Lo wasn't going to work out. And he wasn't a Warriors kind of player. Whereas right. Chris Paul can fit in much better than a guy like D'Lo. So again, we have to we do have to still see how the fit fit is, but ultimately I, I'm interested in seeing how how this will play out. Cause I, I could see them winning it with him. But at the same time, there is that window of potential for things to go south for one reason or another. You're 100% right. And obviously, Chris Paul is a strong personality. He's a strong, uh, strong minded individual. Like, he's played, what, 19 years, I think, in the NBA. He's been around. Uh, he's been around different locker rooms, different coaches, different teammates. Guys, you know, there's players that didn't like him. There's players that have, that have you know, that he has rubbed the wrong way. Um, there's players that, that love playing next to him. Like, some mixed reviews with 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 Chris Paul, but I will say this: he loves he he, he loves the game, right? He he plays basketball in in the off season. He he's not someone that just plays for the money or plays for you know other reasons. Obviously, those things come along with it, but he loves the game and he also wants to win. And having a guy that has bo- has those two mindset, uh, that's a bit that's a big deal. And him wanting to win is also an important thing because he's. Chasing a championship, like making the finals two years ago was a big deal for them, for the Suns. Uh, They got bounced in the second round the last two seasons. So he's obviously been in search for a title for his entire career, and he's going to have a really good chance to do it with the Warriors off the bench, hopefully, which is what the expectation is. Um, And like you said, like guys want to win, right? So you're probably going to see some – there might be a couple moments. Honestly, I'm preparing for this where there might be a couple moment, moments this season where, where Draymond and CP butt heads because they want to win so badly, and they may feel differently about a thing or a possession situation, a play that went wrong, and they're like, you know, going back and forth, and they may say some stuff in the heat of competition. But I'd rather that than them being selfish and not care about winning. And I still think that while, you know, they may be um, – you know, they may allow their, their emotions to get the best of them at times. I do believe ultimately because winning is the primary objective that cooler heads will prevail in most situations. I don't expect anything to go awry like a punch or calling each other, you know, crazy things like 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 Dre did KD. And so I think ultimately, you know, when with the common goal is consistent, then I, I expect there to be uh, a partnership, you know. Yeah, I think the only reason Draymond didn't like Chris Paul is probably because, you know, that that's the opposition and they had a rivalry since the Clippers days. They're both competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're both competitive. And one of the biggest things for, I think, both players is accountability. Uh, they they try yeah. to hold their teammates accountable. This is the issue, issue, I think, that Chris Paul had with a guy like James Harden. You, you saw that during the playoffs, the tension, the fighting uh, on the bench and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And I would say it's 
probably a lot of it is from like discipline, lack of discipline stuff, not, not, you know, kind of doing your part as a defender, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and also <laughs> having to watch, like standing in the corner, having to watch Harden, uh, just dribble the ball up, not, you know, being attentive to detail, like CP, like playing next to Draymond and net playing next to Steph, these guys are detail oriented. So you don't need to get on them about missing a rotation or, you know, being, you know, lazy with the possession or, I mean, obviously Steph has his moments. Draymond has the, has his moments too, but they're, they're very consistent from a winning standpoint. They do the intangibles. Harden didn't necessarily do the intangibles in Houston and CP is going to be, in fact, Draymond and, and Steph will make an effort, a conscious effort to maybe even get CP2 involved, whereas Harden didn't get CP3 involved enough. So there's a balance there, but I think CP is going to feel, you know, you know what Steph does with, with, with KD, what he does with Wiggins. He's done these things in the past, and he does them now with his teammates, and CP is well worthy of um, sacrificing for at times because he's very talented as a playmaker, and he can score a bit uh, in spots. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I expect it to fit, and I expect both sides to sacrifice to some extent. Yeah, I, I just think that competitors of this caliber, at, yeah. of the highest order, at, I think it's easy to get along when you're on the same team. So, yep. so yeah, I mean, Patrick Beverly probably asked them some kind of, you know, like a whatever, some kind of drama stirring question or something along those lines for Draymond to answer it in that manner. But, but yeah, I, I, I expect them to get along and I expect them. Honestly, I'm predicting because like we said, maybe the front office wants to see how this plays out and whatever, but they kind of have in mind that they didn't necessarily get him for the fit of it. So if yeah, they're they, not they, dominating right, 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 in the first half of the season, it's possible that they might just move off of him. But if they're completely and utterly dominating with the group that they have in the first half, then they're going to probably keep him at least for, you know, next season. That's kind of how I see it playing out. Kaminga and Moody and how they, they're going to fit. And essentially with, with Kaminga, uh, his role, we, we got a quote from, from Keith Smith, uh, who's an NBA, I guess, reporter slash, uh, he's just someone that kind of is around the NBA. He, I'm gonna, I'm about to pull up the quote. He's got a so, hundred thousand followers, so he's legit. Yeah, so he's a contributor to Spot Track, and which is like a, a database with, uh, you know, free agency and whatnot. And he works for the NBA front office show, so he's he's very involved and he has a lot of um, insight that he could provide just based on, you know, his connections and whatnot. So he's a valid, credible source. And so he actually came out with an article today It called a Summer League Notebook. And basically he kind of gave a breakdown on Western Conference teams, all 15 teams being covered. And he gave his thoughts and insights based on executives, coaches, and scouts, and players. And he inter- he basically took quotes, direct quotations from these executives, co- coaches, scouts, and players. He also gave his own opinions on these situations, but for our purposes, based on the Warriors, he didn't give any opinions. Everything that he states that I'm about to read 
was straight from a an executive, coach, scout, or player. Uh, so basically, his his notes were on the Warriors. It was the only decision to re-sign Draymond. We were never going to break up the core. They've had too much success, and we won the title two seasons ago. Why would we move off that group? The second bullet, we're aware that Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga, wants to play more. The chance will be there for him this season. We need him to be ready for a full rotation role in our front court. Brandon uh, Pajemski hasn't shot it well, but he's done everything else. He's a smart, tough, versatile player. It may take a year, but he'll be a rotation guy for us eventually. And then the fourth bullet, both Lester and Guy, Lester Quinones and Guy Santos, have been our best guys in both summer leagues. Lester is probably better than his two-way status, but we'll see if there's a room. There is room. Guy could benefit from a step up in the league. I think eventually both will find their way on the roster at some point. So, a lot, you know, a lot of couple nuggets there, a lot of information to take in, to soak in. But very uh, insightful, like kind of what Keith said, uh, illuminating. And especially that second bullet talking about Kaminga, which I think we should, you know, expand on. Uh, it sounds like they've carved out a, a, a spot, a, a designated spot. They've saved a spot for Kaminga to, to, to thrive this year. More so than they had last year. Like they say, I mean, they made it very clear. We, we need him. We need him to be ready for a full rotation role in our front court. So it sounds to me, it sounds to me like he's probably going to get a consistent 20 to 25 minutes a night. Last season, he got about 20, 21 minutes. I think you'll see a more consistent 25-ish minutes this season. And obviously we can expand on what we expect from him, what we want to see, but what are your thoughts on kind of that quote? And then expanding on that, what you want to see from Kaminga from in uh, a, a standpoint of on the court, what should he be improving on the areas that you want to see him address uh, next season? I'm surprised. I'm surprised by the approach and I'm surprised that, they're not looking to trade him because I thought that he would be on the block. I think there were a lot of issues, obviously, coming off that playoffs where he had no role. He was a dead roster spot, literally, at one of the most crucial positions for the Warriors off the bench. So he proved to be completely and utterly, well, I was going to say useless, but that's not fair to him because he wasn't actually used. He should have been used. But, and that's part of the problem is like we're expecting Steve Kerr to be different, make adjustments, change, use a guy like Kuminga more consistently. And it's tough. There's it, it, there's two sides to both these guys, which is that Kuminga, he deserves to play more. He deserved to play more in the playoffs. He had to play more in the playoffs because the Warriors are going in four guard lineups and that's not okay. At the same time, the first thing he did was make a fundamental kind of play where it's just like, what are you doing? We're in the playoffs. Your focus has to be maximized and you have to pay attention to where the ball is, where you are. And these just super basic things that are part of the game. And he couldn't fulfill that. So as a coach for Steve, I don't necessarily blame him for not wanting to play a kid who is not even doing the most basic fundamental thing 
to uh, start, you know, to start I off agree. the playoffs. And, right. and so I understand both sides, uh, but at the end of the day, this is about winning and this is about getting a mature group of guys together. And how many times has Steph Curry talked about maturity, replacing guys that were not mature enough to be in this situation with guys who are mature enough. Right. And is Kuminga that guy? I, I don't think people change that much that quickly. I mean, this guy was, whenever he's not playing, he's sulking on the bench, unhappy, like not supportive. He goes kind of back and forth with those kinds of things. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that just makes it so tricky. He wants a bigger role. The Warriors claim they have a bigger role for him, but I mean, where is that exactly? They have Sarich. They have Trace Jackson. I'm assuming one of them is going to be playing some power forward minutes. So then where, how, how is Kuminga going to get 25 minutes out of the, out of the rotation that's already in place? I just, I don't personally understand it because he's going to back up Wiggins and he's going to what back up Draymond. Does that mean he's certain suddenly going to be a fundamentally better rebounder uh, and do the things that is required of him, which is not, always to maximize his potential and score in double digit figures and all these kinds of things. Cause these are not what, he, what the team needs from him. It remains to be the case. And I don't think that's resolved at all. So I don't understand why they're not looking to move off of him. Um, it seems clear now that he hasn't grown. They say you know, people are kind of joking or whatever about the notion that he grew some inches and um i think shadow was saying that he grew to like 610 but that doesn't seem to be the case i think he grew so how how tall was he he was supposed to be about around he's six six, seven seven. right he's six seven like an inch i think he grew like an inch or two based on what i've seen what have you seen because i saw a photo of him standing next to boucher boucher is legit 611 he's six nine he's listed as six nine yeah, yeah. Why but, would he be me, legit six eleven if he's listed at six nine? Let me see. Let me see his um what he's listed at because I know it's you say six nine. He's six nine. I, let me see the official like because yeah. on on NBA.com. You'll see it. It's six nine. Because and is that with shoes? Is that with shoes or without? Without shoes because everything. Uh, so right. basically, so a few six, years nine ago, without. six nine without. But I still yeah. I think he's around six ten with. Yeah, but that's like saying Steph Curry is six three with. They listed him but, as six two now instead of six three. That's true, but I th- that I was still the whole think- Dre, That was the whole point. They, they they changed it up a few years ago where that's everybody true. was right, listed right. with their shoes height, but then they changed it to without shoes. That's why Steph Curry they, went from being listed this. at six three to now six two. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do they re? I think they re. Do they remeasure players coming into every season? Do they remeasure players? Like, yeah, like, do they just assume that Steph is going to be six? Like, obviously, he's not going to grow, right? Yeah. But, like, I still think there's players that have grown. Like, there's and, then, and they just never updated it? Well, here's the thing. Are, I wonder if there's 18 and 19-year-olds that are, like, rookies or second-year players. And then – or even 20-year-olds. And they might have grown in the offseason. And then it's, like, you got to take – you got to take inventory of their height and weight because they've changed. So mm-hmm. you got to update it, right? I, I don't know. 
I wonder if, because we'll know for a fact if Kaminga has grown or not, based on if if they actually update those those measurables. If they update them, then then we'll know. You know. Yeah, I'm assuming that he didn't grow because he looked about two inches shorter than Boucher, which which means he's six seven still. So yeah, I mean, well, even I- if he if he did grow an inch, that would be great. Right. Right, right, But either way, we're going to find out because it sounds like they're not looking to move off of Kuminga like we thought that they would be moving. Well, no, I think they and I think they wanted to. I think that was their intention. Like they were pretty, pretty active. They just didn't find anything that they wanted. Yeah, I think they just didn't like the value. But I think they were they were definitely active. I'll tell you this. Kaminga's name popped up more than any other Warriors player in the in from from the free agent from a like free agency trade kind of talks rumor standpoint all all offseason in the draft even after the draft and before the especially before the draft Kaminga's name came up a good amount like more than Jordan Poole so where there's smoke there's fire I do think they were looking for a, a trade for him they just couldn't find what they I think they wanted that Pacers seventh pick I think they wanted to use that and then flip that for something else I don't think Indiana wanted to give that up or no no not not seventh eighth I think is that they had the eighth pick but well, they wanted that, so and they just didn't get it. So, well, that's not a good idea or plan. Like you're you're trading Kuminga to get a rookie, like that's what they wanted to do. That sounds pretty stupid. But- well, no, well, I think I think it was to flip it. I I think because te- a team teams might value that eighth pick more. Oh, okay. and if they could get a young player on top of it, like a mm-hmm. Duarte in number eight, I think mm-hmm. you know because Kuminga in a vacuum because the the Pacers were looking for a wing. The Pacers were in the market for a wing the whole time. Like you saw who they signed, Bruce Brown, who's not like a wing technically, but he kind of plays like one. Kind of like a wing, yeah. They overpaid yes. for Bruce Brown, but like that's they wanted like the Pacers were reportedly in the market for OG. They wanted him as well. Like they wanted a wing. Okay. So who's yeah, not I mean, in the market for OG at this point? Yeah. Well, and most teams kind of gave give given up on that. Yeah. Um, so what well, I'm sorry, what well, what was the what was the last thing you said? In terms of the um, the the committee. Oh, stuff. the Pacers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pacers. So it looks like they're gonna hold on to Kuminga for now. Uh, I I just think no matter how you slice it, I just think that they're being greedy with the greedy with the situation. That's including Warriors fans as well. If they feel like Kuminga is a long term solution for the Warriors in some way, because he's not. There no no matter how you slice it, you're paying solidified money to solidified pieces. Wiggins, you j- literally just paid Draymond. These guys are not going anywhere. So and Kuminga wants to be a starter in this league. I don't know what part of that everybody does not understand. I don't think he wants to be this fringe role player who only plays defense and rebounds. Like that's not why he came into the NBA. That's not the role that he came to play, right? Right. Uh, so, and he's going to want to get his pay and the Warriors, what money do they have to pay a guy like Kuminga unless they get off of a guy like Clay? Are they going to choose Kuminga over Clay? Like that's the kind of thing that they're going to consider. I don't understand. It just doesn't, in my opinion, it's just a misfit. There's no role. There's no role for him to really grow with the Warriors. And that's why. You can't be greedy and be like, oh, what we're getting back is not good enough. Um, if it's a piece, if it's a viable piece, that's a veteran piece, 
that's going to help the Warriors, then it is worth for them to trade him for. You know, they, they got to consider what they're trying to do right now as opposed to what they think Kuminga can become years down the line. Years down the line where he doesn't want to be with the Warriors for that long, I don't think. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. There, there's obviously uh there's obviously certain things that they have to work out. And um that's that's one of the biggest questions entering this year is that if Kaminga's on the 12 man roster or what 14 man roster, is he gonna be is he gonna have a role carved out for him that is viable and that is reliable? on a night-to-night basis, and can he develop his game from a rebounding and, and an off-ball defensive awareness standpoint to where he can round out his weaknesses and stay on the court maybe in closing lineups? Like, how, how what kind of leap or, or de- like curve can he make uh, to where he's, you know, a more viable option in the rotation? Because, you know, Steph talked about it. You know, this isn't just coming out of thin air. Steph also talked about, he mentioned how, Kaminga, he expects him to, um, you know, be ready for like a, an expanded role and, and to be prepared uh, this upcoming season because they're going to, you know, use him and need him uh, for that, for that you know, purpose at the, in the front court off the bench. He's going to be important. And also Chris Paul is going to, you know, ex- be expected to, uh, you know, elevate and to develop Kaminga and Moody alike. So, that there's going to be some uh, some figuring out in that sense with 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 their roles and kind of figuring out the roster and we're gonna have to like we mentioned in previous uh, pods like gonna have to figure out how to adjust stylistically uh, the offense to to cater to their strengths because Kaminga playing in motion is is not gonna uh, give him that third year leap that he needs he's gonna like kind of the way Jordan got his third year leap was free-flowing, you know, a mix of motion, isolation, you know, attacking mismatches, and also just thriving in the pick-and-roll and, and being free-flowing. Kaminga needs some some of that freedom, right? He needs to be able to play uh, in the open court without having to, you know, set pin-downs and, 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 and just diving every possession. He's going to have to pick-and-roll, transition, lob threat. Like, I think there's more that he can unlock with CP on the team, but... Steve is going to have to adjust how, you know, his his uh, playbook for that to, to to be fully realized. So, Wow, that's a huge part of the equation. One good thing about one good thing for Kaminga is that he's surrounded by veterans and guys who can advise him. Even a guy like Chris Paul can advise him on where to be, where, what he needs to do, what he's doing right, what he's doing wrong. So uh, there's definitely more support around uh, him to for him to be more successful with the Warriors. So as long as they're keeping him, I, you know, I got to be hopeful that Kuminga can take a leap. So oh, I guess we'll find out. Absolutely. Um, hey, I appreciate you, Jim, again, coming through. Uh, this is good discussion as always. Uh, appreciate everybody for subscribing uh, to the pod, to, to listening every week. Don't forget to download the Odyssey app and turn on uh, notifications for when, when episodes uh, drop. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.